This is the PR Podcast, a show about how public relations helps you tell your story to the world. We talk with great PR practitioners who have the skills, creativity, and just plain savvy to get their clients noticed. Now here's your host, Jody Fisher. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the PR Podcast. I'm Jody Fisher. Thanks for joining us. Well, in this week's pod PR Podcast plug, we're going to talk about something that's uh, very important to me. That's the PR Lunch Hour, a weekly chat on Twitter spaces. It's hosted by Tanya McKenzie, Tamara Sykes, and Michelle Garrett. It's PR people doing what we do. We talk about PR topics. We talk about our wins. We talk about observations in the news, best practices, the things that we know, love, and maybe learning something from the people who are on that space. And there are just some brilliant people in that space, a regular cast of characters, but they always welcome newcomers. Uh, it's every Friday at noon Eastern on Twitter. So come join that conversation, the PR Lunch Hour on Twitter Spaces. Now on to our guest. Let's get right into our conversation this week. Trisha Richards Service is a PR professional and the founder of I Need a Speaker, which was founded to help organizations and event planners find the right speakers for their events. Trisha, welcome to the PR Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This is exciting for me. Exciting for us to tell us about I Need a Speaker. I can't wait to tell everyone about I Need a Speaker. And I will tell a story that will resonate with probably everyone in your audience. A couple of summers ago, I was trapped in an academic building on a gorgeous, warm summer day. And we were talking about finding a speaker for an event. What happened was we kept going around the table saying, who do you know? Who do you know? Who do you know? Who's in the geographic area? We could catch on someone else's travel dime. Who is in our budget for the event? Oh, I know the person who was the roommate of the girlfriend of the guy who lived down the street from us. And I just thought, oh my God, someone pull a fire drill, get me out of this room, get me out of this situation. It was painful. So I was mumbling to myself about it all the way home. Like, why isn't there a better way? And I got home and I kept thinking about this over and over again, that if you go to a speaker's bureau, for example, which we are not, to be clear, they're looking for speakers who charge 10,000 and more. And then the Speakers Bureau will add about 34%, 35% for their liaison work. So a $10,000 speaker now becomes close to $15,000 speaker. It's out of most people's range of affordability, which limits who they can have as a speaker. And I thought I need to change this right now. So I'm thinking of it this way. If you were to have a YouTube concert, you'd probably go to Ticketmaster for the tickets. I wanna be the Eventbrite. I wanna be the smaller, um, other option, you know, that you have for public speaking to find the right speaker for your event without it costing a fortune. So that's where the idea came from. And my husband lovingly indulged the fantasy and I need a speaker was launched in August of 2020. That is fantastic. And what a great story. It's, it's sort of like the, the best stories, right? The inspiration that you had solving somebody's problem, really. Um, and, I, and I think uh, I'm trying to put myself in the position, you know, I, I've sometimes needed to tap into um, a service that would provide a speaker. And I don't know, off the top of my head, I kind of don't know where to go. And I go through that exercise that you're talking about, mm -hmm. where who do I know? Who can I call? And I end up calling like four or five people. Do you know somebody? Is there somebody interesting? Um, you know, or I'm frequently um, asked to 
identify an MC for a client's gala dinner or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. uh, do you provide that kind of service too? We have people for panel discussions, classroom lectures, community events. We've got activists who just have a personal message to share and are not a professional speaker, but so impactful so impactful. We even have some stand-up comedians, which is a riot um, that you can see on Comedy Central. So it's become this amazing group of people. And it's interesting what I've learned in the process. There are so many people with something to say, right? And the thing is, I learned that there are some people who are, for example, retired, and they just want to stay involved. They've got all the subject matter expertise. They don't care about making money. They just want to be a part of the industry, a part of what's happening. Then there are the activists who have a personal story to tell. We have a speaker who uh, was kicked out of her house as a teenager, was homeless, found her way into college, is now an honor roll student in college, and she's wanting to go into nonprofits to help people like her who didn't have the opportunities that she did. Then we've got the mid-career people who want a promotion or another job, and they want a little visibility. We've got entrepreneurs who want to get their business name out there. So the tie into PR, which is where my heart always has been, is so strong in getting that message out and shaping a brand and talking about the brand story in a way that resonates with audiences. And frankly, I'm still so excited about it. Um, we now have users in seven countries. And what happened during COVID was really to our benefit. I got kind of cranky, to be honest, when the lockdown happened, because I said to my husband, this is great, this is great. We're ready to launch and nobody's gonna have any conferences. And he said, no, Tricia, everyone is gonna be on their computer having a conference. And public speaking is estimated to have gone up 1200% in the first two months of the COVID restrictions. I hate to say lockdown, it sounds like prison, but the restrictions. And so that boomed. And I thought this is really fantastic. And what occurred was we learned to tap into talent globally. So I've been working with people in Israel, Ireland, the UK, Canada, all over the place, reaching out and saying, we've got something to share. We've got subject matter expertise that your audiences could use. So the tagline became connecting speakers with audiences. And we always say we also want to share information because information is most powerful when it's shared. It's the thing that gets stronger when you give it away. Do you find that most people who are looking for a speaker start out with looking for a name, sort of like someone they recognize or someone who will be a draw? And how do you work with them to help them find the right speaker for their audience that may not be the person that they started out thinking about? Right. Most people who ask us questions like that have a purpose in mind. They've got an end goal they want to achieve. We want to have a conference about uh, getting kids into college and financial aid. You know, we're, we just have our first child going into college. We need some guidance. Or they'll say, we have a PR team that wants to talk about data analytics. Or we've got um, a high school finance club that wants to know what is cryptocurrency? What is a Bitcoin? What is an NFT? So it's all about the purpose and what they're trying to achieve. So sometimes if they're looking for a name, they might go to the speaker's bureaus first. That means they've got deeper pockets. But if they have a normal size budget, you know, for a smaller group, with normal meaning zero to say five, ten thousand dollars and that whole range is applicable, they're really looking for what is going to suit their purposes. 
You know, what do they really need? What does their audience want? Yeah, that's the key, right? Is is sort right. of targeting the audience and understanding who's going to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, are there certain types of speakers that um, that I need a speaker um, really hones in on? Do you have a couple of niches that you work in, or you know, give us a flavor for for the types of speakers that you represent? We've been really fortunate in that there's a broad range of talent and subject matter. So we've got um, a lot of people of color. We've got a lot of women. We've got people who are achieving our goal, our mission of amplifying new voices. That's the one thing I wanted to do the most. When I started thinking about this concept, I did some research and discovered that about 65% of all conference speakers were white men. And I have no problem with white men being a conference speaker. They've got something to add too, but I really hope that there'd be more room on that stage, whether it's physical or virtual, to invite different people transgender, different opinions, different ages, different backgrounds, different colors, you know, different, different everything. So I really want to see that diversity happen. There's a movement for the DEIB approach, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. And they belong on a stage. Everybody belongs on a stage when they have something to say that they want to share. And that's what I'm trying to facilitate is combining these groups and making it easier to find what you're looking for. So whether it's your Boy Scout troop looking for someone to talk about survival skills or a high-end, you know, uh, investment group, female CEOs who are looking for someone to talk about motivation or stress management, I want to be able to provide them with what they need too. So the reach is very broad. Let's talk a little bit about the in-person event industry, which, right, it dovetails into what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, do you see that picking up again and, and how much of the business, I mean, maybe, you know, is a split virtual versus in person right now? I think if I were to give you numbers for the split versus in person and virtual, the numbers would change by the time we finish talking today, because there's a really big push. People are craving being in person again, and the hospitality industry is responding in kind. They will do anything they can to welcome people back again in person. And that is continuing safety protocols, continuing cleaning protocols. They are opening spaces that are outdoors and they are rethinking how the space is allocated within hotels and within conference centers. So I stay on top of that subject a lot, watching what's going on to see where the industry is going to go. And one thing I love about it, of course, you know, on a selfish side is that no matter what kind of event, they're still looking for speakers. So we're still filling that void, that need that they have. But there's definitely a push. People want to travel. People want to be with other people. They want to exchange, even if it's virtual business cards by tapping phones. You know, they really want to just interact. They want to socialize. Yeah, I, I could not agree more. I've been getting out a little more uh, uh, frequently uh, and getting back to that event uh, circuit. I love it. I love being in a room with people who I know and meeting people who I don't know. Um, I think it's such an essential part of business in general and definitely part of what we do as public relations people. Absolutely. Um, you know, That's meeting new people mm-hmm. in, in addition in addition to just, you know, uh, cruising for business. <laughs> You're also, <laughs> you, you want to be out there. You want to know who's out there. Yeah. You want to, you want to, you want to have a feel for the environment and the, and the climate that's out there. So much of public speaking that's effective is centered on emotion and engagement and that feeling, that energy that you get. 
in a situation. You know, you're all walking into the event. You feel like something big's going to happen. The lights go down. The speaker comes out. It's kind of exciting, you know. And I think we miss that part of it. Although I will say, I give credit to everyone who has found ways to personalize, customize, and energize the virtual space with, you know, sending cocktail kits to people's homes, doing recipes together, engaging them in new ways, playing games, whatever it is, they really did their best to make the event memorable. And I give them so much credit for their creativity. Yeah, I had a client uh, back, I guess, probably the first full year of uh, the COVID restrictions, as you put it, great word, great way to put it, because I hate that word lockdown too. Um, but uh, they were doing their annual gala virtually. Um, and they asked me for ways to try to, you know, how do we do this? Like, how are we going to pull this off? And one thing that I suggested, I don't think they were able to pull this off. I said, I, talking about your idea about sending kits home and things like that. I mm -hmm. said, you know, make this a thing where people can invite people into their homes who they trust, who they've been with and let them dress up in their living room and like beam it into their, you know, yeah. do a zoom on the big screen TV and cut back and forth to all the different zooms. It's a little technically complicated, but you could certainly pull it off and it could be fun. Um, so, so is that the kind of thing you're talking about? That's exactly the kind of creativity. So hats off to you for thinking of that. That's a great way to have people feel that it's special, that something happened that was transformative in some way. Now, people are looking for speakers to inform, to entertain, to motivate, and you helped fill that socialization need as well as perhaps that emotional need of wanting to contribute to something bigger. Yeah, it's all about connection. I, th I think it's absolutely it's all yes. about connection. Yeah, and that's and that's what the in person thing. Let's pivot a little bit, or bringing in the conversation around to public relations too. Mm -hmm. You know, the 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 speaking uh, circuit um, can also be an opportunity for public relations clients, and we frequently work with clients um, to place them in whether it's you know the panel they want to talk about at the industry event or it's the keynote that they want to give, or maybe sometimes it's even like the commencement address or something like that. And sort of, I've, right. I've been in, you know, involved in, in a variety of those as well. Um, how can, how do you marry the public relations piece and this public speaking piece together? Do you do that for people who are, who are uh, connected with I Need a Speaker? Agency owners tend to do that. And if they were to tell us, the speakers were to tell us, or the agency rep, that their um, speaker was out in the circuit doing something and told me that news, I would be happy to include it in our newsletter, put it in our social media accounts. So I actually help publicize what that speaker has done because I wanna demonstrate that connection that an event planner found the speaker that he or she was searching for, for their audience. So that's one way to do it. PR in general comes from storytelling and branding and communication and relationships and there's really no better way than that experience of hearing someone in public speaking. So we're seeing a lot of startups who want to get their name out there. We're seeing people who want to tell a brand story or connect people emotionally to something that's related to an organization. I just don't see how you can separate it from PR. You know, that's what we do is tell people what, what's happening. We tell people of a brand. So this is a great way to make it happen. One of the comments I get sometimes is, well, why do I need you? I've got a website that says here, click here to book me. I said, sure you do. And I encourage you to keep that. 
I also want to tell you that someone might not be thinking about you and they'll go to our directory and say, oh, who's this person? And then click through to learn more about them. Because speakers who are often invited back, first of all, are seen as, or I've been there, done that. You know, we've heard their spiel before. We want somebody new. And their followers tend to go back to them over and over again because of the familiarity. But what's really refreshing is when they can go find a new speaker, new ideas, a new face, a new connection, it just kind of injects a little bit more excitement into the situation. If someone wants to become a public speaker or be uh, have the opportunity to be a public speaker at an event, what are some of the things that you suggest to them that they do to sort of prepare themselves or get ready or geared up to be that public speaker? They have to be organized. They've got to have their thoughts organized and have a central message. They need to outline, just like they're planning a speech that you would do in college or high school, outline that speech with their main points, support the main points, and then where it's appropriate, you know, add storytelling, add anecdotes, or cite credible sources, really build it out. What works best for most people who are really successful speakers is when they have a signature talk. And that's when they really become known for that one niche. An early mistake that people make is that they want to be the jack of all trades, the jill of all trades. And they will say, oh, you want to talk about this? I could talk about this and that and this and that. And they start listing all these things within one area. And what that means is they're a specialist in none of them. So the more niche you can be, the more successful you likely will be. And I encourage people to get out, volunteer, go to high schools, go to colleges as a guest speaker, do public library presentations, and really get comfortable being in front of an audience. Get the feedback about that presentation that can help you improve it, build it, and really make it sing, you know? And that's when it's gonna be at its peak, is when you've practiced a little bit in front of people who are not your family, who always say, yeah, great job. Um, you know, get the people who are not related to you to say, you know, that kind of wasn't perfect, but let's work on it. And yeah, they're I, gonna help develop I, them. I, I couldn't agree more. I've done a little bit, and I emphasize a little bit, of public speaking, you know, basically when someone has asked me to come in and speak to a group or something like that, I've never, you know, filled right. an auditorium. Um, but I couldn't agree with you more about um, one practice. Um, I find that when I've delivered, you know, it's, it's, it's my subject matter, right? The things that I know best. And right. when, I've, when I've got a little bit of a spiel that I can repeat, because this is the thing that I talk about a lot, I find to, my comfort level grows tremendously and I deliver it better, I'm clearer, right? I remember to make certain points that I wanna make right. um, and, and writing down definitely. I also recall uh, over the course of my career seeing several people uh, at multiple events deliver the same speech. Oh, okay. <laughs> Politicians aren't particularly good at that. Um, yes. but, but to your point, it makes a lot of sense because that's what you wanna be saying. So say it over and over and over again. and become known as that guy or that girl yes. who, who talks about that. So it doesn't have to be the same speech word for word, if I'm no. hearing it right, but no. it's the same topic. It's the same thing. You become known for that thing and you're that guy or that girl, right? Mm -hmm. And ironically, the more you know that subject matter, the more you need to be in front of an audience for the feedback because you know what you're talking about. It's part of your DNA at that point. They don't always know. And you want to find out where are the bumps, where are the obstacles that I can overcome to really enhance that experience for my audience. And you just keep fine tuning it, fine tuning it. 
It's like that old joke about someone who got on a cab in New York and said to the cab driver, I want to go to Carnegie Hall. How do I get there? And the guy said, practice, practice, practice. You know, it's that it's so old. That joke is so old. But, but it's the truth. True. Yeah. <laughs> and no, never, no, it doesn't get old. Um, but if, if I'm a PR professional and I've got a client and they say, I want to do public speaking, how do I get them prepped for this? Um, in, in addition to sort of getting them out and helping them practice, do I walk them through some of the steps that you mentioned, like writing it down, annotating, noting, you know, uh, outlining things like that? Yes, you could do that. You could also refer them to us. We do offer some training. And we will be doing workshops again in the future. We had one in the fall. We partnered with a wonderful group um, and really made it a, a great event. And we're going to be doing that again in the future. So info at ineedaspeaker.com. We will connect them with a trainer and get them rolling. I'm shocked that this kind of service hasn't existed before. I know. I know. I mean, I really, you know, yes. you, you mentioned at the top of the uh, top of our conversation that, you know, the there are speakers bureaus and you typically find those, I guess, at colleges and places like that. They, I think they, or, or large um, um, not-for-profits or things like that, but, but it's typically hard to find a speaker. I'm surprised that this type of clearinghouse idea hasn't shown up before. So exactly. People don't know where to go. And a university might say, but we have a speakers bureau, but the individual seeking the speaker might not know to go and look there. And that's why a one Central directory makes so much sense. I encourage all of our speakers to keep their own websites with a speaker button, you know, book me, click here, but they're going to find a more diverse arrangement, a more diverse group of people in our global directory, which you can search by name, organization, location, language, subject matter, fee, geography. Um, it's all the things I dreamed about when I was trapped in that room, you know, like a committee hostage. That's really what I wanted was just, I want to make it easier. Well, this is a great idea. I'm glad you came up with it. Thank you. And, and I great. certainly I certainly will be using it in the future when I have the need <laughs> to book Good. a public speaker because I inevitably I will. And I also might have some of my clients register with you if they want to be on the speaking circuit. It makes sense. It makes sense. I'm hoping that eventually journalists will start to turn to us for quotable sources, things like that. I really want to see this grow, continue to grow. Um, it's really easy. If you do want to find a speaker, you can create a free account and search the directory. And if you are a speaker who wants to be found for bookings, it's $3.49 a year. You sign up and you can make that feedback in your first speaking presentation. We don't track who gets booked right now, but I think that's going to come in the future as we get more and more people who are reporting back on the success that they've had with it. So that's um, terrific. It's a great, great service and a, and a great idea for a business. So congratulations and good luck to you building it. Let's segue now into the rapid fire question portion of our podcast. This is where we steal a page from inside the actor's studio and ask our guests a series of rapid fire questions. They're meant to elicit a simple answer. And if you've heard the podcast, you know what's coming at you, Trisha. I do. So here, I do. So here we go. Rapid fire question number one. What is your favorite news source? CNN. All right. What do you think of the, have you watched the new CNN plus? I've seen that launch recently. It's, uh, it's a not much. I'm more a fan of the website. That's my go-to. Okay. Very good. Rapid fire question. Number two, what's your favorite social media platform? Twitter. Yep. We all love it. Right. Yes. Rapid fire question. Number three, coffee or alcohol, alcohol, specifically gin. 
Oh, look at you. All right. Back, <laughs> back when I, back when I did, uh, that was my, one of my favorites. Okay. All right. Rapid fire question. Number four, what is your favorite on the run food? Trail mix and apples. Mm, very healthy. Like that. And rapid fire question number five, what do you want to be after you finish this career? You just started one. So maybe, <laughs> maybe this isn't on your mind yet, but. <laughs> uh, bigger. Oh, love it. That's the word. I just want I need a speaker to become the go-to directory. That's, that's the dream. That's fantastic. Well, uh, I, I think this has been a great conversation and certainly one that exposes our audience to your service, um, which I think is an important service. And certainly it's, it's, uh, it's an arrow in the quiver of PR people that, that we need as yes. PR people, both to get our clients out there, but also to help our clients find someone when they need to do that. So, so double, uh, double uh, whammy there for us. Right, double it. win, right. Wonderful. Trisha, this has been a great conversation. Please let people know how they can find you and I Need a Speaker online. We are at www.ineedaspeaker.com and you can find us on LinkedIn and Twitter at I Need a Speaker. Just give us a search. Uh, we're there. We're on Instagram as well, Facebook, trying to get uh, around all those platforms. And you can also just email info at ineedaspeaker.com and someone will get back to you right away if you have any questions. Sounds good. Good luck with the business, Tricia. And thanks again. Thanks everyone for listening. Please remember to subscribe to the show. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the PR Podcast and send us a question or a comment. Our intro is by Christopher Apple. You can find him and his fantastic photography on Instagram at Christopher underscore A-P-P-O-L-D-T. Check him out there and hire him for all of your photography needs. You can find me online at Jody Fisher on all the socials and on the web at jodyfisherpr.com. We'll see you next time on the PR Podcast.